Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Bombastic Podcast, hosted by Andrew Ellis, presented by Natty State Sports, the best baseball podcast anyone's ever heard or even thought about doing. Um, boys, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we have a lot to get into, and uh, do not make my positive and happy vibes. Do not mistake that for thinking that everything was all completely enjoyable in Arlington for the Hogs, or even for myself. Uh, there were ups, there were downs. There was a lot that we can talk about, and we're going to get into all of it. Uh, but before we do, I do have to remind you, I am obligated uh, to remind you that there is a new YouTube channel for the Bombastic Podcast. Uh, it is called the Bombastic Podcast. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on my social medias. You can find it on the Natty State Sports social medias, I would imagine. Um, I'll try to put the link. I've been trying to put the link in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening on Spotify, Megaphone, or Apple, whatever it is, uh, go subscribe to us on YouTube. We're trying to grow that channel up. The, the goal of that basically was that we don't flood our main Natty State Sports YouTube account with everything, you know, with Bombastic, Pot of Pals, all that. So we decided to, to test out a little something here and put the Bombastic on its own channel. So for the, the Andrellis fans, all, all 13 of you, I need y'all to head on over to the Bombastic Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, then just subscribe to the channel you are watching on this very program right now. If it's good, wait until after the episode. If you like the episode, then subscribe. If, if the episode sucks, then I, you know, maybe don't. Maybe don't. But uh, I kid for the most part. But I'd also like to mind, remind you to go ahead and subscribe to that Natty State Sports YouTube channel, which you probably already are subscribed to. And if not, you need to be. Because uh, if you're a fan of what we're doing, what I'm doing here, what... Curtis and Scotty are doing with Pot at the Palace, what me and Curtis are doing with the Six Pack, if you like John Neighbors, you like the John Neighbors show, uh, all of that and more is on that Natty State YouTube count. Uh, we've also got, I don't know if I'm allowed to break news, I'm not going to break news on this podcast, but we got some some football stuff coming soon. Let's just say that spring practice is coming around the corner. Uh, we're going to have you covered with everything there. We do promote, we do cover football over here at Natty State Sports. Um, I'm known to step on the gridiron from time to time. And I really enjoy going to those Arkansas football practices. So I say it kind of jokingly, but I for real am looking forward to spring practice. We've got a quarterback competition. we got all kinds of storylines to follow. Uh, so be on the lookout. We're going to have some football content coming up, ramping up here in the next few weeks and into spring practice, which will be enjoyable. But uh, today, it's all about the Diamond Hawks, who had a trip to Arlington, Texas, to play in the Kubota College Baseball Series, is what I am told it is called. <laughs> it's very interesting. I don't know why. It has, it has like a different name every year, and they also do like four different college baseball series in Arlington. Like there's one this weekend. There was one in week one. Uh, just kind of it's what they like to do. So it is what it is. But Arkansas, they were they were one of four teams that played there this weekend. They played three games, played Oregon State on fr Friday night. They played Oklahoma State, a different OSU with an orange jersey, uh, on Saturday night, and they played Michigan. They went two and one. If you didn't catch the games, which a lot of you probably didn't because they were on flowsports.tv or whatever their website's called, you didn't feel like subscribing for a month or whatever, but uh, we got you covered here. We'll talk about kind of what we saw and you know some of the big takeaways and get into the games, but uh, guys, I don't know, man. There's just there's so much. I don't really know where to start here. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, last week we were talking like, hey, this is where you kind of feel out the vibes and see like, hey, is this a, is this a team you like? You start figuring out what players are your favorite and stuff like that. You start trying to figure out, can this team do it? These, these weekends are the ones that we like to overreact to the most here on this program. We overreacted to last opening weekend 
uh, when Arkansas went three and one against James Madison. But now we can really overreact because we saw them play some real teams. And I got to be honest, there were mixed results. There were very mixed results. Um, and before we get into it all, I do want to remind you guys that we have some good friends over at Alumni Hall. They have tremendous stuff. Uh, the best, the ultimate Razorback shopping destination, the deepest selection. They've got stuff for the kids, for the dogs, for everybody. Um, for the jerseys that you've been seeing Arkansas wear, they haven't busted out the pinstripes yet, but they are coming. Uh, who knows when? They don't, they don't inform me of these decisions, but I assume at some point Arkansas will wear their pinstripes. So if you like them, you like the hats Arkansas wears, they have them all over at Alumni Hall. Go give them, uh, go give them a shout over at 3417 North College Avenue in Fayetteville over by the Whole Foods. And if you can't make it up here, don't worry. We got you covered. NattyStateSports.com slash Alumni Hall. Uh, I say it every time, but I'm serious. Guys, you will not be disappointed with what you see there. Go check those guys out. Give them a shout. Uh, we appreciate them a lot. Um, but, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's get into this program and let's talk about what we saw this weekend. So just big picture one, Arkansas went two and one. They win five to four. No, f- yeah, five to four on Friday night against Oregon State in what I would describe as a hashtag instant classic. It was one of the best baseball games I've ever seen. One of the best pitching performances easily I've ever seen by Hagen Smith. Uh, that was the, I'll be honest with you, it kind of was all downhill after that. <laughs> like the vibes on Friday night were so good. It was an awesome game, you know, back and forth. Looked like Arkansas was going to blow it there for a little bit. Uh, they get the big hit from Peyton holding the eighth inning to kind of put them over the edge. Uh, that was really fun. And it was just a, the, the atmosphere was awesome. Both fan bases were super into it. Got to give the Beavers some credit. They traveled pretty well which I didn't expect. I really expected it to be like 98% Arkansas fans everywhere. Oregon State traveled better than Oklahoma State. What the, the Pokes, man, just did not show up. I don't know. I mean, they showed up on the field. Their team's pretty good. They went 2-1, and one and they beat Arkansas on Saturday 2-1 to one in uh, what I would not describe as an instant classic. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma State fans, just they decided to sit this one out, and it seems like they do that a lot. They didn't really even show up to their own regional. It is what it is. I, I don't know why, but uh, Friday night really was the only game I would say that Truly was just fun for all the fans. If I'm just being honest with you, the vibes took a, sh- a sharp downhill turn after that. The Oklahoma State game was fun for a while here. You know, it was 1-0 for like almost the entire game. Uh, Arkansas just couldn't get anything going on offense, and we're going to jump into a little bit of that and give our critiques and all that. But when I just think about this team big picture, you know, all year and all offseason we've been talking about this team can win the national championship. This team is as good as any we've seen at Arkansas. They're the most talented, all that stuff. Um, and I know you guys were probably tired of hearing it. And after seeing some offensive struggles this weekend, you're probably thinking, hey, this team's overrated. Even though they did remain number two in the D1 baseball poll, they are still a top five team just about everywhere you look. And I say I, I think literally everywhere you work, look, they're top five. Um, I think there's a lot of you who are probably rubbed the wrong way by what you saw out of this team big picture over the weekend, especially on the offensive end, the last two games. I mean, and we'll get into that because I'm not too far away from you there, probably. But I think when you think about this team big picture and a lot of the excitement that we had, a lot of it came from the pitching staff. And we felt like this starting rotation was as good as any we had seen at Arkansas and had a chance to be really, really special. And Hagan Smith has a has a, a one-inning start that he gives up a three-run home run on opening weekend. On this very program, we said, hey, Hagan Smith, just be cool again, man. That's what I said. Not only was Hagan Smith cool, he turned into a souped-up Randy Johnson. Uh, he was so dominant, guys. I mean, it was from, like, the first pitch he threw. The first pitch he threw was a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, and he got a swing and miss 
from Oregon State's star second baseman who hit like a 500-foot home run yesterday. Uh, he did not like hitting against Hagen Smith, nor did any of the Oregon State Beavers. He ties a program record with 17 strikeouts. He goes six innings. He gives up three hits, no runs. He only walked one. Threw 59 of his 78 pitches for strikes. But yeah, he ties Jess Todd's program record, which he set back in 2007 against South Carolina. Hagen Smith ties that. If this were a if this were in like late April, early May, or even you know into June, I think he probably goes at least one more inning and probably two more. He shatters that strikeout record. I think this dude could have gotten 2022. And so I get why some fans were like, "Hey, leave him in. He's pitching great. Arkansas up 4-0. Just leave him in. Let him let him go." Uh, DVH said before the season that he was going to do that, where he was going to be a little bit more cautious with Hagen, was not going to, you know, overuse him if he didn't have to. And he was going to pull him a little bit early. He even said that at the Swatters Club leading up to the season. He's going to pull him early sometimes, and Hagen would probably try and fight him on some of it. Uh, 78 pitches through six innings. Arkansas was up four. I had no problem with the decision to pull him there. Me personally, I would have loved to see him face one batter. Because I, I in my head, I was thinking kind of 80 to 85 was about the pitch count they had in mind for their starters this weekend. And if you look at what the other two starters did, that's about – it was around 80 is really what it was. Um, so I, I, I kind of would have liked to see him go out there and face one more batter. Even if he just goes out there and issues a four-pitch walk, you pull him, he gets his standing ovation, the crowd goes nuts, or he gives up a solo home run. You're still up four to one. It is what it is. I feel like if that runner reaches, you pull him. If he strikes him out, you pull him. Like just, I would have liked to see him face like literally just one more batter. But I'm also a fan of doing that, where like you let the fans acknowledge the player and you let him get his standing ovation. And pulling him mid inning gives you the chance to do that. But I also understand it's a four nothing game on a Friday night. I understand why DVH didn't want to mess, wanting to mess around. I also why see why he's not wanting to mess around with an arm as valuable as Hagen Smith's. So I have no problem with all of it. But man. About as dominant a start as you can be. And, you know, we uh, we got to hear from all the guys leading up to the game. You know, I remember Gage Wood saying, it ain't going to be good for the Beavers against Hagen Smith, man. He's fired up. He's locked in. I remember talking to Gabe Gackle the other day, and he was like, dude, he's locked in. He's uh, he's amped up. He's ready to pitch. Uh, we'll get to Gabe Gackle later, by the way. Friend of the program. Star of the program, I might even say. I might have to bring him on as a damn co-host, a co-host at this point. I mean, geez. Uh, what a stud, but we'll get to him later. But Hagen Smith, man, it's you could tell his teammates knew. They, I don't think they knew he was going to strike out 17, but talking to Peyton Holt after the game, like they kind of had a feeling that they were going to get vintage Hagen Smith tonight, and boy, did they get it. Um, you know what's crazy is it was like almost all fastball slider. So if you're a Hagen Smith hater and you're like searching for material, maybe that's what you do. You just say, hey, he's only got two pitches, man. You're not going to make it work. He's only got two pitches. Um, but, yeah, it was almost all fastball slider. The slider in particular, like those dudes just were not hitting it. Uh, there were, I mean, righties, lefties, it didn't matter. People were just not hitting that slider. He was dotting it wherever he needed to, throwing those that just drop out right below the zone. Got so many swings and misses. I don't know if anyone counted. I probably should have. Had to have gotten like 40 something. I mean, through 78 pitches total, I would say like a third of those pitches, of all of his pitches, were swinging strikes. Like he, they, he was getting a lot of whiffs on the fastball, on the slider. Uh, his command was as good as I think I've ever seen it from him. Mentioned he had the one walk, which is a four-pitch walk, I believe. So, I mean, he throws 59 of his 78 pitches for strikes, had the four-pitch walk. Outside of that four-pitch walk, 59 of 74 pitches for strikes. Like, that's unreal, and that's really something. I mean, Hagan threw about 60 to 61% strikes last year, which is pretty low for a guy who you're expecting to be like a frontline starter and pitch a ton of innings. 
Uh, so to see him filling up the zone like that, it's really encouraging. And I, you know, like I said last week's program, like you just want to go out there and you want to see your dude be a dude. And that's exactly what Hagen Smith did. And so what it was an iconic performance, one that pretty much everyone around the country was talking about. I mean, I saw a Barstool article about it. I saw so many scouts talking about it. D1 Baseball was was raving about him. I mean, it was just one of those things. Uh, Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball actually after the game compared him a little bit. He said it reminded him of Steven Strasburg and Paul Skeens, like watching those dudes in college. Um, so, I mean, look, we're not going to do a thing where we're like, hey, Hagen, now he's got to do that every time. He's got to be awesome. Like, but I think you figured out if you were if you were worried about Hagen Smith as your Friday night starter, I think you are uh, one. I think you're dumb, but <laughs> but two, I kid. But two, I think you probably feel a lot better, right? I would imagine. And uh, man, I just think the biggest thing that sticks out to me with Hagen is like the stuff was great, the mentality out there, but like just the confidence and what he brings, the swagger that he brought, I thought was really important. And it was credit to him for making it really fun. I mean, pretty much every inning, which every inning ended with a strikeout, so it gave him a chance to kind of you know, strut his way to the dugout, and he was letting them hear about it. He, he he knew that he was feeling it. He knew those boys couldn't touch him, and he had no problem letting them know about it. And, uh, man, it was it was just really fun to watch Hagen out there. Uh, show some personality, like we always say. He's a quiet, laid-back guy, but then you see him out there on the mound, and you're like, geez, this dude is a terminator. Um, but, yeah, man, that was really encouraging to see. And, you know, moving to Brady Tiger a little bit, Brady Tigert's outing, he threw six innings, shut out, uh, struck out a measly six strikeouts. I mean, what are we doing here, man? Six strikeouts. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, had quite the the act to follow, but I thought Brady Tigert's outing was really, really encouraging. And the one thing that stuck out to me about both of those guys, Brady and Hagen, is their velo not only was pretty consistent, but Brady's even popped up a little bit. Like Brady was 92, 93, at least on the stadium trackman gun that we were seeing which, by the way, also shows the pitch type. Y'all should have seen that sucker trying to figure out what Will McIntyre was throwing. They were baffled. They pretty much everything was 84-85, and they were like, slider, cutter, changeup, fastball. I don't you know. It was kind of funny watching their like automated thing trying to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, so Brady was like 92-93 in the first few innings. His velo ramped up towards the end of the start. I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if it was just him kind of catching a groove or what. But he had a couple 94s in there, and I saw one scout had him at 95. Uh, it seemed like his velo kind of climbed, and his overall stuff and command got better, too. Uh, he had really good feel for his breaking ball, pretty much from inning number one, but that was kind of the big out pitch for him. Uh, that I mean, the thing with Brady is he's got such a deep arsenal of plus pitches where on any given night, he might not have the slider working, but he'll probably have the curveball. And if he doesn't have the curveball, he probably got the slider or the fastball, or you know, he throws, he's mixing other like cutters and change-ups and stuff in. It seems like he's got answers to a lot of questions if he doesn't have feel for one pitch. And so really encouraging for that. And I think Hagan, that was one thing that, you know, last year this is a guy who was 93-95 to start most of his games last year. And we would see his velo fluctuate a little bit and kind of dip off towards the end of the game, which is normal. I mean, we're human beings. You know, you throw one pitch and you throw 75 more, eventually you're not thrown as hard. Uh, but that was not the case for Hagan on Friday. I mean, you know, First inning, he was 98-99. Once that adrenaline wore off a little bit, he settled. In like a second inning, he was 96-97. But then you, you'd see moments here in the fourth, fifth, sixth inning. I remember he had a one one uh, you know battle with Bazana. Bazana. We still don't know how to pronounce his name, even though they said it a lot. I think it's Bazana. He's from Australia, by the way. So, I mean, do do with that information what you will. But uh, I saw him reach back in the fifth inning for a 97-mile-an-hour fastball against him. So, it's like... And it, and it didn't dip much below. It was like 96 was about as low as he threw on Friday night. And so it's like keeping that consistent 96 to 98, 
obviously every you know there's more to pitching than velo, but seeing a guy like Hagen who's <clears throat> added some strength, added some he's filled out a little bit this offseason. Seems like he's just stronger, in great shape, and he you know he talked about it after the game that he's kind of focused on that kind of being able to pick it up when he can and longevity is important and so kind of picking his spots of when he has to reach back is interesting and I like I said his command was as good as I've ever seen it on Friday night and I thought his fastball was as electric as always but I also felt like the command he was dotting it and he had firm control of what he wanted to do and he was ahead of almost every hitter it was just it was such a fun performance but him and Brady Tiger you know six innings each no runs combined for 23 strikeouts, hard to ask for too much more. And, you know, Tiger had to battle a little bit, especially early there, and then seemed like he kind of caught a groove. And, hell, Mason Molina might have been as good as any of them. I mean, he goes five innings, hitless, scoreless, has 10 strikeouts. He had to battle out of some jams because it seemed like any base runner he gave up, whether it was a hit or, an, or whether it was a walk hit by pitch or an error, seemed like they were getting around a second and third pretty easily there. And so it's like he had to get some big punch outs in some big moments. Yeah, like I said, 10 strikeouts. So you have your starting pitchers combined for 17 innings and 33 strikeouts and zero runs. Boys, that'll do. That 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 will absolutely do. And I think you now at least, again, they're not going to be that locked in every weekend. I'm not saying that's the bar where it's like, hey, they're going to you know, pitch shutouts, six-inning shutouts every weekend. But I thought all three of those guys could have gone an extra inning or two if they had needed, especially if this game were happening in late March or early May or whatever. Um, but it was really good, really encouraging to see those guys like I said, go out there and be dudes. And so you kind of see the vision and the the ceiling of what this rotation can be. And I think that throughout the year, we're going to see that trio there get leaned on a little bit more. Like, I don't think they're going to have any problem throwing them up around 100 pitches once we get rolling here. And, uh, you know, you start thinking about playing a series against Arkansas, a three-game series. If you're, if you're having to deal with 18 innings from those dudes on average – it's only nine innings of not them. So it's like it kind of lessens what this Arkansas bullpen, which we are going to talk about a little bit later after we talk about the offense. Uh, it, it puts less pressure on this bullpen, which honestly, there are still some question marks that we've got to figure out. Not question marks. I don't want to say that. But the roles are a little bit fuzzy here for the Arkansas bullpen. And so it gives them that little leeway, not this weekend because the offense was so bad, but it gives them, it takes a little bit of pressure where you don't have to come up with five innings of bullpen work every game. You don't have to worry about that. I feel like each weekend you're going to get at least one of those starters is going to go six, seven innings, and the others are probably going to be right around five, six innings as well. I think there's going to be a lot of weekends where Arkansas is able to just ride their starting pitching to uh, to success, and so that's that's huge. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the bullpen a little bit later and kind of those roles, but we've got to address the elephant in the room. Um, Arkansas's bats are cold, man. They are they are ice cold, those Arkansas bats. So they score five runs against Oregon State on Friday. I believe in that game they had six hits, so like not not a ton, but they got opportun they they were opportunistic. They got clutch hits when they needed it. I mentioned Peyton Holt had the triple. Uh Jared Spraglot had a big hit at one point. Uh Jason Jones came through with an RBI single. Ben McLaughlin came up with swing of the game. I I mean I thought everyone thought the swing of the game where you have bases loaded one out and Hudson white, who had a rough weekend at the plate strikes out, which was kind of a gut punch, kind of disappointing having your two hole go down like that. But Ben picks him up, rips a first pitch fastball into the gap, clears the bases, puts Arkansas up three Oh. Uh, and I, that ended up kind of being 
not all they needed because they, they had to score five runs. You, I mentioned the Jones single uh, and Peyton Holtz's triple. Peyton Holtz triple. But I felt like that swing from Ben McLaughlin kind of set the tone, gave Arkansas that breathing room, which they ended up needing all of it. Uh, that was a massive swing. And that's kind of – that Friday night game is the vision of what this Arkansas team can be. That's a formula that I think will work for them is you have Hagen Smith really good on the mound. He's going to be tough for anyone to deal with. You piece it together with a few bullpen arms, which, again, we will talk about later, and you just get hits when you have a chance to do it. You drive in runs when you have a chance, and Arkansas missed some opportunities for sure, but to turn six hits into five runs, I know you would rather have Arkansas bl- explode for 10 and 12 hits, but I thought on a Friday night, that's about that's about what you what you want, is scoring five runs, six runs, and grinding it out, getting the good pitching. And so I was really pleased with this Arkansas team on Friday. I thought, hey, this is going to launch us into a weekend where – they go 3-0, and and like, this is awesome. They passed the toughest test. Here we go. But then the offense was just like, nah, we're just not going to hit. And, guys, I would really – I would love to do the thing where I'm like, hey, they were hitting a bunch of balls hard, and it is what it is, and, like, they just had bad luck. But that's really not what happened here. It's just not. Um, Arkansas just didn't – they weren't able to get things going. I mean, Oklahoma State starter Brian Holiday, I talked about him on last week's program – Pretty good stuff. Nice little mix. He changes speeds. He's like 92, 93 with his fastball. I had a few 91s, 90s. Uh, not like overwhelming stuff, but mixes speeds and throws strikes. And Arkansas just never got a rhythm off of him. Uh, they struck out six times against him, which isn't a crazy number. But it just seemed like there were a lot of weak ground balls, a lot of weak pot flies, a lot of two-pitch outs, a lot of at-bats that, frankly, just weren't super competitive. And uh, Arkansas got a little bit more patient at the plate on Sunday's game, and part of that was Michigan just being bad. Um, like, let's just be, let's just keep it a buck here, real quick. Arkansas didn't even beat Michigan on Sunday. Michigan was just so bad in the field and at the plate and at uh, on the mound. Like they just, they just gave that game away. I mean, they had like three errors. Arkansas tried to try to give it right back to them in the ninth inning, but I, I felt like Arkansas really didn't do much offensively in the last two games. I mean, they got hits here and there. Uh, Jared Spraglot is kind of the one guy who's above that. I mean, he had three hits in, in the Oklahoma State game. And, I mean, you're talking about a game that goes 14 innings. Arkansas ends up with eight hits, but it's eight of 52 at the plate. So not a great uh, not a great ratio. Struck out 14 times in 14 innings. And, guys, I would love to sit here and tell you that Arkansas faced some elite arms this weekend. They really they really didn't. Uh, the best arm they faced all weekend was Aiden May, Oregon State's start, Friday night starter who, again, had been inconsistent in his career. It looks like that sucker might have Tommy John. He was uh, he was doing the shaking off thing, but like once he left the game, that's kind of when Arkansas was able to make some things happen. But the best arm they saw, they didn't really do much against. And, guys, they didn't face a ton of, like, elite power arms that are going to, like, you know, give a bunch of teams trouble. Like, that's really not what the case was this weekend. It was Arkansas just not doing a whole lot at the plate. And, look, we can go piece by piece if we want to really break it down. Um, I'm not going to do that here, but I, I just think Arkansas didn't get a lot from some of their top guys. And the only two guys, I'm not going to talk bad about these guys, but Vahiva, Loy, and Hudson White, like legitimately did not give them anything this weekend at the plate. And those are two dudes who realistically might have been the best two hitters on the team. Um, so it sucks. And look, Vahiva, Loy has gone full Caleb Cali mode where Caleb Cali leading up to the season last year, hit like a home run in every scrimmage. He was hitting like 400 for the off season. And so he was the guy that we were all hyping up and all being like, hey, wait for this guy. All the players on the team were saying, hey, wait for this guy. He's awesome. And then he goes 0 for 8 with seven strikeouts in Arlington. Vahiva would have loved to go just 0 for 8. Uh, I think that's what Vahiva did in 
Now he went 0 for 7 with three strikeouts in the front in the Saturday game, but uh, yeah, I mean it just was a you know rough weekend. I think both of those guys you can like almost see them pressing at the plate now, and we see this happen a lot though, where it's almost like a momentum thing where you have a couple three up three down innings, you have a couple quick innings, and you're not really able to get things going offensively, and then you're looking for that big hit and it just never comes, and so it just kind of snowballs on you, and all of a sudden you're in the seventh inning and you got zero runs or one run, and it's like just kind of the way it goes, and we've seen it happen to Arkansas in the postseason in some very unfortunate times here and there. It happened again this weekend, and it happened against two pretty average teams, I would say, in Oklahoma State and Michigan, and average is probably being nice to Michigan. I think those guys suck. I think they're going to be really bad in the Big Ten this year, even though the Big Ten sucks as well. Um, yeah, if you're if you're if you were excited to watch this team like I was this weekend and were disappointed by what you saw at the plate. You are not out of line. Uh, I think this team really is just a is a rough go of it. And look, guys, I'm not sitting here saying, "Hey, this team, they've got, I've got. I don't know if they're going to be able to hit this year. I don't think they're going to be able to." Arkansas is going to be fine, but they are not fine at the moment. So if your buddy is sitting here like, "Oh, they're fine. It's cool. It's cool," they're not fine. Talk to Dave Van Horn. They're not fine. Talk to any of the players. Talk to any of the players' parents. Talk to people around the program. It was a rough showing, man. It was really. It was. It really was a rough showing at the plate offensively. And look. It reminded me a lot of Arkansas's 2022 trip to Round Rock. Uh, if y'all remember that one, I was not in attendance for it, and I'm glad I wasn't because it was about 37 degrees. But uh, that that weird that weekend was a little bit different in terms of structure. They played Indiana, who I would say is the Michigan of this this tournament here on Friday night, and they won five to one. Uh, had a couple big hits, but like really didn't do a ton at the plate. Connor Nolan pitched well. They win. Uh, they get shut down and dominated by Stanford on that Saturday game. They lose like six to nothing. I think it was a two hit shutout. And again, just didn't do anything in the plate. Uh, kind of got shown up by, by, by Stanford that year. And then they beat ULL on Sunday. Jalen battles hit like a three, a huge three run home run that kind of gave him the edge, but it wasn't like a, like Arkansas went two and one, but I remember it being a weekend where everyone was kind of like had their antennas up. Like, Hey, this, this team might not <laughs> be able to hit, man. It's kind of, it's kind of rough. And look, that 2022 team that I'm referencing ended up making Omaha, ended up going to the semifinals, ended up going on a crazy run and had a ton of really good offensive pieces. But in hindsight, they extremely aggressively underachieved in the regular season. We can sit here and argue about why that happened or what it means or what it is, but it's it's just something that happened a couple years ago where they just had all this talent on the team and they had all these expectations that they were going to be this awesome lineup and then out the gate, just kind of laid a few eggs. I mean, if you remember that year, they lost to Illinois State to open the season, like four to three or something like that. Uh, they, you know, had that round rock trip that I referenced that was kind of ho hum. They lost an opening series game to Southeastern on the weekend. Uh, and so it was like they had a little bit of early adversity that they had to overcome. And then they ended up rattling off like 11 straight wins. Uh, and then, you know, we, you know, dissect the whole season if we want to. They, they, you know, they went up and down, end up falling down towards the regular season, end up having to go on the road, go to Omaha. Will McIntyre becomes Will McIntyre, and the rest is history. But I was just, I bring that up only because this felt a little bit to me like that, where we had a group that, like, all offseason, we didn't really have to worry about does this team have enough? Do will they have the right pieces? Like, we know most of these pieces. We have reasonable uh, evidence to to expect them to perform at a high level. I mean, Hudson White hit 296 with 11 home runs last year. Vahiva Loy hit 376 last year. And I know not at Arkansas, but 
These are guys that have proven a lot over the course of their careers. They've proven a lot this offseason against Arkansas pitching, which, as we've come to find out, is really freaking good. Um, so it's like, I, you know, forgive me if I'm not going to meet you there where I'm, like, panicked about the long-term potential of this team. But I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't concerned. And I think if you're not concerned, you weren't watching what I watched this weekend. Uh, those at-bats suck, man. And, like, I think what really struck me is, like, there was just no energy, no – you know, vibe in the dugout. Like there was no juice. There was no like guys coming out of the dugout screaming and yelling at each other. There were in the first two games. There were in that Oregon State game. There was a ton of energy, ton of juice. But by the end of the weekend, I think my vibes were ruined. I think the team's vibes were ruined. And DVH said as much after the game, like, hey, we're just not hitting the ball right now. And we didn't have a ton of energy in the dugout. I didn't see a ton of life. Uh, it was a little bit of a went out with a whimper. And look, they, they got the job done and they hung on to win that Sunday game, which look, Credit to them. I'm never going to knock a team for winning a game. Uh, they held on and avoided what would have been a disaster if they had blown that Michigan game. But, hey, winning a game when you're not playing well, there's, there's just something to be said for that. And, hey, credit to Dave Van Horn and his staff because they keep finding ways to do this. Like, well, I, I just sat there and critiqued this team offensively for, like, a good 10 minutes. They went 2-1. and one. They're 5-2 and two on the year. They're still ranked in the top five everywhere. They're ranked number two at D1 Baseball. And, like, last year we saw that play out where – there's so many weekends where we were like, oh, I don't know. This is not great. They got this guy, Josenberger's out, Wagner's out, uh, McLaughlin's out, Peyton Stovall's out. Like, what are we going to do? And then they just keep winning. You know, they just keep finding ways to win, and they end up winning the SEC regular season title. So, you know, wrapping it all up big picture, Arkansas struggling this weekend at the plate does not mean that they are not going to have a good offense and that they can't get it going and that this team can't go to Omaha and, hell, that this team can't win a national title. Because if you saw that pitching staff this weekend, I think you, you know, if you understand what you're looking at, you realize that is a pitching staff that can bring you a natty. If you're going to win a natty, you have to have a few special characteristics. Arkansas's starting rotation is special. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna chat on the bullpen a little bit here, but I think Arkansas has the pieces, and I think that the, the bar for this offense really probably isn't even that high. I mean, we saw this weekend, had they scored three runs on Saturday, they would have left here three and zero, and I'd be sitting here lying to you and being like, "Oh yeah, they're great, three and zero, man, six and one. This seems awesome." Um, I kid, but I just mean like, you know, it's not like they have to rake. They have to be scoring 10, 11 runs a game. Like I said in that Friday game, like you have to be opportunistic. You have to make do with your opportunities when you get a chance. And uh, Arkansas did that on Friday. They took advantage of some Michigan mishaps on Sunday, and I mean a lot of Michigan mishaps. But they just really haven't done a ton offensively, and I think the disappointing part to me is that, like, you look at this piece by piece, and I look at all the names, and I feel good about all those names. I mean, all the way down to Jared Spragod, who's hitting eighth and filling in for Peyton Stovall, he's like the team's leading hitter at this point. I mean, he literally is the team's leading hitter. He's hitting 429, uh, has three doubles and a home run, like, He's been producing, and I just look at this lineup. I mean, Kendall Diggs, I like that guy. I think he's good. Ben McLaughlin, I like that guy. I think he's good. Peyton Holt, you know, Hudson White, Vahiva Loy. I like all these guys, and I think all these guys, you should be expecting them to produce at a pretty high level. Uh, Ryder Helfrich's another guy who got a couple starts this weekend that, uh, you know, had some good moments, especially on Friday. Hasn't hasn't performed, like, in small samples. It hasn't come through with a ton of huge hits yet. Uh, but I just look at this lineup, and I'm like, you know, I like the pieces. I think those are all good. I think, you know, they'll produce, but you just look at it in a game, and it seems a lot easier to pitch to this Arkansas team than it should be. And I'll be honest, guys, I've, I've seen this Arkansas lineup do a lot more 
and I say this Arkansas lineup, like this exact lineup that we're seeing struggle right now, I watched them a, less than a month ago chew Mason Molina up and spit him out. I mean, people coming into the season, there were people texting me worried about Mason Molina because they were like, oh, he gave up four runs to the starting lineup. Did he get exposed? Like, what's going on? And, oh, these, you know, Kendall Diggs hit a home run off of him. Oh, is, is he all right? Is he going to have it? Like, what's going on? You see how good Mason Molina is. You see how good Hagan Smith is. You see how good Brady Tiger is. You see how good Gabe Gackle is and some of these other arms. Arkansas hit off all these dudes. Now, I understand it's your own team and it's a different setting. It's an inner squad and all that. But I'm just talking about what this offense is capable of. A lot more than that BS that we had to watch these last two games. Uh, so if you're upset that they didn't, if you, you know, if your people are trying to tell you you shouldn't be upset at what you saw these last two games out of Arkansas's offense, they are lying to you. Uh, that sucked. DVH will tell you that sucked. Nate Thompson will tell you that sucked. Um, I am not a believer that like they're not going to figure it out. But I'm not about to come on this program every week and be like, guys, it's fine. I know they went three for 27 against McNeese this weekend, but it's fine, man. Like they're going to be good. We can't play that game for too long. You know, we have to evaluate what we see. And what we see is an Arkansas lineup that is cold right now, and they are really struggling. And some of their biggest pieces need to get it going. Will they? Probably, because I, I've seen a lot of these pieces hit a lot. I have a very firm belief that Vahiva, Aloy, and Hudson White are good at baseball. I didn't make it up. Uh, Dave Van Horn did not make it up when he put them two and three in the lineup, just like he didn't make it up when Caleb Cowley was in the lineup, just like he didn't make it up when Jace Borfin struggled slow to start his sophomore year and ended up being Jace Borfin, like, or Peyton Stovall. I mean, the list goes on. All these guys that y'all see nine at-bats of, and you're like, oh, I see now they suck. Uh, you you turn out to be wrong like most of the time. <laughs> so I would say like just wait a little bit before you make these definitive proclamations on individuals, especially when the sample size, we haven't even gotten to 30 at-bats yet for most of these dudes. Uh, and so like, yeah, just like let the sample size grow a little bit. And you're, you know, I'm frustrated by the way they've hit. I'm not saying that I'm not, uh, but I've just seen a lot of people making very definitive declarations of who's good and who isn't and who needs to be doing what. Uh, I mean, DVH summed it up well, where he was like, Jared Spraglott's a guy that we brought in thinking he would be a very good defender and a below-average hitter. Those are words straight from DVH's mouth. Jared Spraglott's leading this team in hitting. He's hitting 429. Uh, Ty, Ty Wilmsmeyer is a guy who I can confirm for without a shadow of a doubt is not going to be as good of an offensive player as Vahiva, Loy, Peyton Holt, Hudson White, and all these dudes, but he's hitting better than all of them at the moment. His batting average is higher than all of them. Uh, and I know some people try to do like a victory lap where they were like, Oh, yeah, he's the best player ever after one week. Uh, I think it's just kind of – I, I don't want to do the it's baseball bit, but I think you, there is room for letting this stuff play out. I mean, we're seven games into the season, but at the same time, I'm frustrated with what I've been seeing from this Arkansas offense. You should be too. We'll see how they progress and how they go from here. The good news is they've got a couple weeks here. I mean, you got a, gr a midweek game tomorrow against Grambling. Uh, I haven't done my Grambling research. I got no idea, although I did used to go to school in Ruston. So I should, but, uh, you know, that, that you'd like to think that's a game where Arkansas can get some stuff going offensively. Uh, same with McNeese. I haven't, I haven't looked into the Louisiana schools yet, boys, but uh, I'll make a few phone calls and we'll see what we're going to expect. But I think these next two weeks before conference play starts, it's all about building confidence, finding a definitive lineup, and just seeing a little bit of the glimpses. We need to see some of that juice. We need to see some of that flash. Uh, Arkansas did not hit a home run in Arlington this weekend. That is baffling to me. I mean, I understand it's a big league ballpark. I understand that it's, you know, you're facing some pretty good pitching for the most part, but 
They had like six or seven home runs last year in Arlington, and they didn't even swing the bats that well. Uh, but it's like this team, if you're going to have a power-based approach, you kind of got to hit for power, you know? And if you're not going to hit for power, you need to fight and scratch and claw and find ways to score runs. They ain't doing any of that shit right now. So uh, we'll see We'll see how it works out. Again, like I, I, I feel like I'm towing this line here where I'm like, they suck, but they're fine. They suck, but they're fine. But that's kind of my stance. They suck, but they're fine. But I just don't want us to get into that mode where – we can't evaluate the games and we can't talk about them um, because I think we have to acknowledge the fact that Arkansas was really bad these offensively these last two games. Um, and and I feel like if I'm if I sound like I'm being a little too critical, I'm really not. Like I've been hyping this team up as much as anyone. I mean, you can go back. I even made an episode before the season titled "Setting Expectations for the Arkansas Lineup." So like, go listen to that. I'm the one who set the bar this high, and uh, they're falling below it. And look, what I said on that podcast a few weeks ago, I didn't say anything out of pocket. I didn't come. I didn't make definitive doctor, uh, declarations where I was like, hey, so-and-so did this, and he's going to be way better this year. Like, I wasn't even doing that game. I was just basing it off of what I've seen this offseason, what they've done in their careers, and what's kind of a reasonable mark in between that. And frankly, I feel like I kind of lowballed a few of these dudes uh, in terms of what I was expecting out of them. So it's like uh, to say that they have been below my expectations would be an understatement. And, uh, I mean, they're hitting 248 as a team right now, slugging 378, which, I don't, you know, if you're not a huge baseball fan that knows these numbers a lot, 378 slugging sucks. Like, that's like, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's not great. I mean, I mentioned only the four home runs. The on-base percentage at 385 is lower than it'll end up being. I mean, these, they're not even drawing a crazy amount of walks. Uh, weirdly enough, they're not striking out, like, as much as you would think considering how poor their average is. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it just seems like this lineup is not firing on all cylinders, not clicking. It doesn't seem like there's a symbiotic nature to it. Like we saw, like I mentioned how Hudson White struck out with the bases loaded and then Ben McLaughlin picked him up. That's like one example of, you know, them kind of picking each other up and having the right pieces and being opportunistic. Like it's really hard to find examples of stuff like that because it seems like it just snowballs. And when one guy struggles, it just kind of trickulates down and then, all of a sudden, you're, the pitchers are through the lineup twice, and they haven't even broken a sweat. Um, and we've seen this happen before. We've seen Arkansas get, you know, dominated by pitchers throwing 90 miles an hour. It's just a thing that happens. Why? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a hitter. I'm not a baseball coach. I don't know why it's hard to hit in these situations. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. Maybe it's just them pressing a little bit. I think with Vahiva and Hudson White in particular, that's definitely what's going on is they're pressing. They're a little too aggressive at the plate. It is what it is, but overall, guys, like I really still feel pretty confident that this is a really special team with a good lineup. Like this is a lineup that should be producing. Uh, DVH was so frustrated after the the <laughs> the Michigan game. He even said he's like, my second baseman has a broken foot, so I'm a little frustrated. <laughs> it was so funny, man. But uh, you know, again, like there's a lot of frustration to go around for him, the players, everyone, and like, I mean, dude, like just talking to people in Arlington talking to whoever they're all kind of feeling it. Like, I think they really thought they were about to come in here and whoop ass this weekend. I'm being honest with you. Like I talked to Dylan Carter and even Dylan Carter, who's, who's on the shelf with an injury. He was like, Oh, dude, we're about to, we're about to rake, man. It was awesome. Uh, and like, look, you want your team to feel like that. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking those guys for feeling that way, but I just think like, if you notice the vibes being horrible in the Sunday game against Michigan, my vibes were horrible. I know that uh, I could not wait to get home by the time that game was over with. Uh, but I think a part of that was like they, I think Arkansas really thought they were about to come in here and flex their muscles a little bit on these teams. I think they thought they were going to flex their muscles against James Madison. It hasn't happened. And uh, who knows 
Did they read the headlines? Did they read this podcast? Am I what's causing the downfall of Arkansas baseball? Probably. But big picture, I still feel very good about this group. Uh, and the pitching staff, like I was talking about earlier, is so good that it's not even like this lineup has to be that great. You know, I think this lineup just has to pick and choose its spots and has to has to threaten teams and make them work a little bit and, you know, get starters to work their pitch count up and stuff like that. But Arkansas, just, they're just struggling to get things going, man. It's, it's, it's rough to see. But I want to talk about the bullpen a little bit because it was a little bit of a mixed bag from the bullpen, but there were also a few performances that were so important that I think, like, no matter what else happens this weekend, those performances will carry Arkansas a little bit. So the first guy out of the bullpen for Hagen and for Mason Molina on Sunday was Will McIntyre, who I believe he gave up. Let's maybe make sure I'm not misspeaking here. Uh, yeah, so Will McIntyre comes in after Hagen, and he pitches one inning, gives up two two runs on two hits, and struck out a couple. Um, that was, again, like not, not like a big deal. But, uh, you know, they, 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 they roughed up Willie Mack a little bit. Um, he comes back on Sunday. So he threw two, 22 pitches on Friday, comes back on Sunday and throws 36 pitches across three innings where I believe he gave up an unearned run, uh, but pitched really well in that Sunday game. I think that right there, I'm not saying he's going to give up two runs every Friday night, but what I'm saying is that formula of Will McIntyre pitches maybe an inning or two on Friday and then comes back and pitches two or three on Sunday, like that's one you're going to see a lot. That's one, if you listen to this program, they I've been telling you it's probably going to happen. Uh, Cody Frank, I want to shout him out. He actually pitched both Saturday, back-to-back days, Saturday and Sunday. He throws 29 pitches on Saturday in that game. He ends up striking out five of the six hitters he faced uh, and then walked a guy before they they uh, brought in Stone Hewlett. But Cody Frank was huge for Arkansas on Saturday, even though the offense let him down. He comes back on Sunday and throws 32 more pitches, ends up getting the save, uh, gave up, again, uh, one earned, unearned run, one earned, gave up a few hits, and it got ugly there in the ninth inning as, as uh, you know, the, they were trying to wrap up the weekend and didn't get a ton of help from his fielders. But I thought that what Cody Frank did, that was important. And look, dude, there's something to be said about just being able to take the ball multiple times a weekend. People yelled at Cole Ramage all the time and were so sick of seeing him pitch. You want to know why he pitched a lot? Because they trusted him. And it's really hard to find arms you trust, man. It's really hard to find dudes when you're trying to count those outs, count those innings. There is a lot to be said about dudes who you know are going to come in and pump strikes and can fill that gap for you and help you figure it out. Uh, I think Will McIntyre and Cody Frank, I think you're going to see them. The the limits are going to be pushed on how much they can use those guys. I think when we get into conference play, there's going to be some weird weekends where you might see Willie Mack throw like 150 pitches over the course of three days, man. It just might be one of those things that happens. But uh, I just want to touch on those two performances. It's not even like neither guy like came, you know, it's not like people are coming away, driving home in Marlins and being like, whoa can't believe what we saw out of McIntyre and Cody Frank. But I think those two outings and just those or their four combined outings, those two guys bring a lot of value to this Arkansas pitching staff, which we've known for a while. And uh, just looking at the season stats, so, so far this season through seven games, two weeks, Will McIntyre has thrown 11 and two-thirds innings, which actually leads the freaking team. Uh, he's also got 11 strikeouts for those keeping home of how much money they need to donate. That's $55. Yes, that's $55 that will be donating for his cancer fund. Again, go check that out on his Twitter account if you have not already. Uh, But Willie Mack's got a 2-3-1 ERA. Cody Frank has thrown six innings, which actually is a lower number than I would have thought. But I guess a lot of his outings have been like four or five out outings. Uh, Only given up the one earned run so far, so a 150 ERA. It's eight combined outings for those dudes in seven games for Arkansas. I think that's a trend you will see continue. Uh, another guy they've been using multiple times is Stone Hewlett. A lot less innings, a lot less pitches, but the left-on-left specialist. 
Uh, had a little bit of a rough go of it on, I guess it was Friday night, where uh, didn't get his job done. But he comes back on Sunday and gets the gets the one guy he faced out, or maybe it was Saturday. I think it actually was Saturday that he pitched. He came back and got the one guy he faced out. Um, I think Stonehill is another one you're going to see multiple times a weekend. You won't see him extended a ton, but he's just a dude that they feel like they can count on in those situations. But, I mean, the two, or really, let me go, three outings that I think really stood out to me and really were, I mean, stood out to a lot of you guys and I thought were very monumental outings for this Arkansas bullpen. So they bring in Gage Wood to close out the Friday game. It was 4-2 to two at the time. Stone Hewlett had just come in and walked a guy, I believe. Gage Wood comes in and gives up one of the hardest hit home runs I think I've ever seen. I think it was 446 feet. Dude just jumped all over a hanging slider that didn't slide at all. Uh, DVH actually said after the game, he said he thought he tried to lob in his cutter there. He wanted to see him throw it. He tried to just slip it in. He wanted to see him throw it. Uh, he got a little more bite to it, but it was up in the zone. Dude got every stitch of it. So right away, 4-4 ball game. And you're like, oh, crap. What's Arkansas going to do? How long are they going to have to ask Gage Wood to pitch? Like, what are they going to do? And I literally was just thinking, I was like, man, Gage Wood is the guy that I've referred to as Arkansas's closer. Last week, he closed out Arkansas's one real close game. So when you when your closer gives up a bomb to make it a tie game and you're about to go into the ninth inning, you start to think, like, who else can pitch for this team? Uh, and then, obviously, Peyton Holt gets, gives Arkansas the lead in the bottom of the eighth. They bring back Gage Wood for the ninth. And let me make sure I'm getting this right before I – uh, misspeak and ruin everything. But, okay, he gives up a, 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 a infield single to start the inning on an 0-2 count, which was a little bit tough. Um, and then you get a ground out to third base. So you got one on, one out, runner now at second base. And DVH makes one of the gutsiest calls I think I've ever seen. And he goes to Jake Faraday, who if you've watched this program, you know is a guy who has got really good stuff but is very unproven. He's a junior now which is tough because he's pitched an inning. Actually, in his freshman year, less than an inning. He's pitched going into the weekend, or going into this season, he had only pitched one inning worth of baseball in his college career combined in two years. He pitched last weekend. They bring him with the bases loaded. He ends up doing a pretty good job, I thought, of kind of settling down that situation. Threw a ton of strikes, which is kind of the key with him, as he doesn't, historically, has not thrown a ton of strikes. He's got 96 to 98 mile an hour stub with a hammer slider, Throws all he has all kinds of spin rates and funk to his delivery. And you saw a little bit of that in his two outings this weekend, but had not really thrown strikes a ton. But he comes in to this game and he comes out and he gets a dude striking out swinging on a 3 2 pitch after a wild pitch had moved the dude up to third. So you're looking at runner in third, one out, tie or one run lead for Arkansas. Now you got the tying run on third base. A dude with six outs worth of college experience on the mound. DVH just called on him. And I noticed that DVH had said something to him. Like, obviously, you say something when you hand the ball to the pitcher, but usually it's just a symbol of, like, go get him, hand him the ball, move on. And especially when you're in a situation like that, like you're usually going to a guy that, you know, like a Will McIntyre or a Brady Tiger or a Gage Wood who has been in there before, and you don't really have to say anything. But I noticed he said something to Jake Faraday. He revealed after the game that he said, you're the right guy for this job. And I just thought that was really cool that he said that and that he trusted him in this moment. Gets the strikeout on the 3-2 pitch. Gets another strikeout on some cheddar up in the zone. 1-2 to end it. And uh, that's your ball game. Arkansas wins. Jake Faraday gets his first career save. That right there was a big outing. One, just because it got Arkansas a huge win that they, you know, in hindsight, kind of really needed. If he had blown that, we'd be coming home. We, we, we The vibes would be horrible on this podcast if he had given up a two-run bomb and Arkansas lost 6-5. to five. To, uh, to Oregon State. I'm just going to be honest with you. It would be really tough to find some silver linings, but 
him getting those outs. Look, they tried to bring him back the next day for a, a save situation when they were up one to nothing, and he struggled to find the zone. Walked a couple dudes, ends up uh, ends up turning it over to Gabe Gackle, who we'll touch on here in a second. Uh, but I thought that that outing right there was so big for Jake's confidence, for the coaching staff's confidence in him. Uh, I mean, you see the stuff. The stuff is great. It's legitimate stuff that can get anyone out. Um, and so just to see him go out there and do it in a situation like that gives you a lot of confidence in what he can do for this team down the stretch. I say down the stretch like they're not seven games into a 60-game season, what he can do for these next 53 games. Uh, but I, I thought that was a very important outing because he's a guy who we, he was one of the bigger question marks of the offseason of like, hey, is it time for him to take that step forward? Um, and I, I was I was I was really pleased to see the way he threw. Uh, again, I mentioned struggled to find the zone, and I guess got the the blown save on Saturday. I don't think Jake Faraday is going to be like your everyday closer, but he closed that game for Arkansas Friday, a very important one. I think he could do it in the right situation, which he did on Friday. And like DVH said, he was the right guy for the job. Uh, I thought that was a big time outing, and I thought Gabe Gackle on Saturday. Gabe Gackle's been on this very program. You guys know him. Uh, I, I mean, at this point, I consider him like my, 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 like, I'm like, I'm like his mentor. <laughs> I see, I saw Gabe Gackle like nine times in Arlington this weekend, whether it was the elevator, whether it was at the park, whether it was pregame, postgame, whatever. I just kept running into Gabe and I was like, dude, I'm trying to leave you alone. So you don't think I'm like following you around. But, uh, man, I was sweating bullets when that dude entered the game on Saturday. Cause I mean, they bring him in again, Faraday had come in at this situation. We're looking at bottom of the ninth for Arkansas because they were the road team here. Faraday issues a leadoff walk, gets a strikeout, issues another walk, uh, then gives up an RBI double and hits a dude to load the bases. So you're looking at 1-1, one, one, bottom nine, one out. And again, Arkansas is not the home team, so there's no, like, if you give up a run, we can maybe hit. The game-winning the game winning run is on third base. Arkansas brings, again, another insane call from DVH. That kind of like you know made me nervous, but it clearly was the right call. He goes he goes to Gabe Gackle, who strikes out the first duty sees on three pitches, comes in pumping ninety eight, uh, getting the breaking ball work, and you know the stuff was right there. It was obvi- obvious he has the stuff to get dudes out. Goes three one on lane Forsyth, the nine hole, and uh, throws a throws a fastball that may have gotten the benefit of the doubt on the strike zone, which was all over the place. There was actually a pitch earlier in the at-bat that I thought was a strike that they didn't call. So everyone complaining like, oh, it should have been ball four. Why don't you shut up? It should have actually just been – it was just a makeup call to get him back. So it's 3-2. Guy stays in the box, and then he dots a fastball on the upper outside corner, uh, gets a swing and miss. I think it would have been a called strike anyway. Just massive stuff, dude. Like, that's so hard to do as a freshman to come in against Oklahoma State in a, in a big league ballpark – and, uh, you know, we talked about Gabe's outing last week where he showed some flashes of being really good, uh, but then it ended up finishing. I mean, he ended up be, being the first Razorback to get a loss, ends up getting credited with three runs after exiting with the bases loaded. Some tough luck, and it wasn't his fault, and, you know, I don't think he was too worried about it. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's made one career appearance before this that, frankly, like, wasn't like a lights-out appearance. So it's like there's – it's fair to wonder, like, hey, does he have the, you know, the confidence, the mental fortitude to come in here and get this job done, especially as a true freshman – not only did he get the job done, he ends up uh, getting him out of that inning, comes back the next inning, retires a side in order with a couple strikeouts, comes back in the 11th inning, gets two more strikeouts, gets a pop-up. I mean, it was uh, it was an outstanding I, – I don't know how he could have pitched better. I really don't. 
Uh, so I guess for the finish in the outing, he goes two and two thirds, gets six strikeouts, one walk, doesn't give up a hit. Uh, unreal stuff from Gabe Yak. And I'll tell you, he looked like a dude. Like he looked like a guy who wasn't worried about being out there on the mound when the game was on the line. Looked like he wanted to be there. And look, we were seeing him at the end of a game and then in the extra innings there doing that. I think we're talking about a future, you know, weekend starter for Arkansas. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. The freshman that throws 98 and has two hammer breaking pitches is probably going to start some games at some point. But I thought that for this year, if he's going to help this team on the weekend out of the bullpen, whether it's late inning, whether it's mid relief, whether it's, you know, spot starts here and there, whatever, I thought that outing on Friday or Saturday really. I mean, what prepares you better than going out there and pitching in a big league ballpark against a legit lineup and having to get those dudes out with you know in a tight situation? You know, didn't didn't Arkansas didn't end up getting the win, but I thought his outing and Colin Fisher, who by the way, SEC Freshman of the Week, Colin Fisher, I was a little thrown off by this at first because we're, we'll talk about his outing. He he did he was very similar to Gage Wood or uh, to Gabe Gackle, goes two and a third, gives up two hits, an unearned run uh, due to an error from Jared Spraglot. Also struck out six, which Colin Fisher is not like a huge stuff guy. You know, lefty, 90 to 93, throws a ton of strikes and mixed speeds well, but six strikeouts. Uh, he was awesome out of the bullpen, which kind of makes you think like, hey, what, what can this guy do? I mean, he got to start on Monday when Arkansas played four games against James Madison. We figured it'd be either one of him and Gackle, and he, they ended up going with Fisher, and he pitched five shutout innings. Uh, looked great doing it. And so you think, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be a midweek starter for you, and maybe you'll kind of ramp him up. And maybe he starts helping you on the weekend by the end of the year. Well, it turns I mean, DVH also said he was not going to pitch in this series. He literally said that when we talked to him on Thursday. He was like, oh, you probably won't see uh, Colin Fisher. We're going to start him on Tuesday. So, like, we'll see how it goes. All of a sudden, you get into an extra inning game, and here you go. But I thought his outing was awesome. And, you know, how about just throwing these freshmen right into the fire and seeing what you got? And both of them came out of it looking great. Fisher ends up getting the loss, which, you know, win-loss stats are stupid. If you're citing pitcher win loss as a thing, don't do it because it really, I mean, it, you know, it means whatever you want it to mean. But Colin Fisher went one and one this week. Very not indicative of what he did. And I mentioned he won SEC pitcher of the week. And so I saw it and I was like, you know, he pitched really well on Saturday, but is he really the freshman of the week? But they were also taking into account that on Monday, which I'd forgotten about five scoreless innings. So good for him. I mean, his first, you know, first full week as an SEC pitcher. He's the freshman of the week, so that's pretty cool. But him and Gabe Gackle, man, I mean, like, just what can you say about them going into that situation and rising to the occasion and looking like dudes, man? It just it just adds to what we already think is a special pitching staff that has a chance to be really, really good. I um I was very encouraged by it, and so I just listed seven names for you there. That's how many relievers Arkansas used this weekend. They used seven: it's McIntyre, Wood, Faraday, Frank, Hewlett, Gackle, Fisher. That's all they needed. Uh, by the way, Ben Bybee has mono. He has not been pitching lately. Parker Coyle, and he's, you know, uh, he, he was really bummed out about it, actually. He's really, I mean, he's he's itching to get back. He's been fighting to get back. I mean, he had a hamstring injury leading up to the season, and now it seems like he's got mono, which is, a you know, we've seen it can take a little bit of time. But he's able to be with the team, is able to do some stuff. But he's probably at least another week away from being able to make his season debut. But that's another guy that you're adding to this mix. And Parker Coyle was also sick this weekend. He got up and was in the bullpen at one point on Friday, but did not make an appearance. I, I bet he ends up starting Tuesday's game, if I had to guess. Don't quote me on that, but I, if I had to guess, they don't have a ton of options. If he's if he's healthy and available, I bet Parker Coyle gets the nod. Um, but those are two other guys who are a little bit like wild cards of like, hey, where do they fit into this thing? So you take the seven names I just mentioned, 
You take those two sophomores who we expect to take a little bit of a step forward and the freshman Hunter Dietz, who we have not seen yet because he is a little bit banged up right now, but he was on the trip. He seems to be ramping his way back up. I bet in the next three weeks we see him make his collegiate debut. When I asked Will McIntyre, I was like, hey, who's somebody that nobody's talking about that they should be? He didn't even hesitate. He was like, Hunter Dietz, y'all talking about him? Talk about him. He, uh, you know, he's he's big time, and he's a guy that's been mentioned as a potential closing option for Arkansas. I mean, he's a big lefty that throws 98. When you see his stuff, you'll see why. Um, and he he's had some interesting moments this offseason, so that's, a, that's about 10, 11 guys right there. And you could probably add in a couple more freshmen or older guys. I mean, Christian Fouch didn't pitch this weekend, uh, and he's a guy who I think is could absolutely have a big high-leverage role late in games. So, I mean, you know, are all 12 of those guys I just rattled off, are they all going to be awesome every weekend? Probably not. You know, I'm sure it's going to be up and down for a lot of these dudes. I mean, especially freshmen, we've learned that, you know, it just ebbs and flows. you got to get what you can get out of freshmen, but you cannot go into a weekend being like, these freshmen are going to carry us. And so I think – the freshmen I mentioned, like Gackle and Fisher and Dietz, are in a position where they're not going to be relied on to, you know, pitch five innings a week and be lights out all the time. And although I guess they did have to pitch a combined five innings, Gackle and Fisher on Saturday's game, but that was kind of a, a unique situation. I think they'll have they'll be able to work those guys in a little bit. So again, you could look at it from this perspective of hey, Arkansas doesn't really have a closer that they for sure like lock down, like everyone knows who's getting the ball in the ninth inning. That's not the situation right now for Arkansas, but this weekend what it showed me is that Arkansas's got options, man, and it might be a little bit of a closer by committee, but I, you know, if they gave the ball to Gabe Gackle in the ninth inning with a one-run lead, I don't think I'd be, I'd feel too bad about it. They've give, they gave the ball to Cody Frank in a safe situation on Sunday, and he got the job done despite there being like nine errors and a few bad luck there and here and there. We've seen Will McIntyre close games. Obviously, Gage Wood has closed plenty of games and might be the guy. Jake Faraday has now added his name to that mix. I mean, you know, and I mentioned Hunter Dietz, like I think Fowl and, and uh, Fouch and Coyle have also both had saves throughout their Arkansas career. So it's like, you know, I, again, they don't, maybe not all of them are closer material, but I'd imagine at least one of them are. And I think, uh, I think you could see a number of different guys close games for Arkansas this year. And when you add in what we have with this starting rotation, which we talked about earlier, like they might be giving you 18 innings a week of one run, two run ball. So it's like, you know, I'm not going to set the bar that high, but I just think like when you add up all these pieces, it's hard for me to not feel really, really good about the Arkansas pitching staff, uh, who is, by the way, they are currently leading the SEC with 102 strikeouts in 66 innings. Uh, I'm not a huge math guy. My father is a lot better at math than I am, but 102 strikeouts in 66 innings seems pretty good. Uh, it seems solid. And uh, I mean, like I said, it's it, I like the mix of skill sets. I feel really good about just overall this Arkansas pitching staff and, you know, lineup might still suck. We'll see how it goes, but just, just tying it all together. Big picture. It was a weird weekend in Arlington. I'd be lying to you if I said that the vibes weren't completely ruined by the time we left. Uh, part of that was maybe sleep deprivation. Part of that maybe was just being in Arlington and being around, around a lot of drunk folks the whole weekend. Maybe that's what it is that maybe it was being drunk myself that psyched me out. I don't know who knows. There's a lot of variables here. Who knows what it really was, but I think that Saturday's game, that being 15 innings or 14 innings, really killed the vibes. And seeing Arkansas's offense not show up there kind of killed the vibes as well. And Sunday, it was just a, it was like a graveyard in there, man. There was no juice, no energy in the building, and so it sucks. Like, I was hoping this would be a cool, fun weekend where it was clear Arkansas's, you know, do what like TCU did in Arlington last year where they just whooped everyone's ass and it was like clear, like, oh, that team's a problem. They end up going to Omaha and eliminating Arkansas. 
It was not that. And so we'll have to wait a little bit longer if we are going to see this team take that next step that we hope they can take. But uh, big picture, guys, I'm feeling I'm still I'm not wavering on my stance of like this being a special team, this being a team that can win the national title. I've always said like the journey is the fun part. This journey is it's starting in a, in a little bit weird way than we thought. But that's what makes it fun. It's never as easy as, it, as we think it's going to be, especially as Arkansas sports fans. You guys should know this by now. Like, it's never going to be as easy. It was, this was not about to be some fairy tale story where Arkansas just waltzes through the season and ends up uh, winning the national title with no adversity. Uh, but that's what makes it fun, man. That's what's going to be fun. And, I mean, how often do we do the thing where we overreact early and then we look back and we're like, wow, how'd that work out? I mean, I just mentioned the 2022 season. I feel like there's been plenty. And historically... When Arkansas plays really well in these early season tournaments, they don't typically go to uh, to Omaha. So one could even make the argument, which I might make right now, that you kind of want to you kind of want to have some uh, some stuff to work out early on. Um, but in a, on a serious note, though, I really am looking for how this Arkansas offense responds because I just got to be honest, man. I just did not like the feel I got. Uh, they didn't seem to have a ton of confidence. Pitchers seemed to have no problem pitching to them. I didn't sense that fear. You know, like we talk about all these Arkansas teams that, you know, will hit in the 270 to 280, 290 range, but they have so much power and so much obvious, you know, flash that you have to be cautious. And that's why they draw so many walks. That's why they're working these tough innings, making pitchers throw a ton of pitches. I want to see them get back to that. I want to see them fight one through nine. I want to see the at-bats be more competitive. And I have no doubt that they will be. Uh, if for no other reason, than they get to face a lot worse competition these next two weeks. So we'll see if they can build some confidence. But uh, don't waver just yet. Don't panic just yet. But that offense was gross, man. That was gross on Saturday and Sunday. I can't stop thinking about it, man. It was just every time I close my eyes, I see another ground out to second base hit 67 miles an hour off the bat. Jeez, man. And, uh, you know, DVH, we'll talk a little bit more Thursday on kind of the preview of the weekend. But they got some stuff to figure out. And so... I look forward to see. I'm, I'm, I look forward to being out at Bomb Tuesday to see if they can get back on track. Maybe score twelve or thirteen runs in a midweek game to get that bad taste out of our mouth. But overall, uh, let me know what you guys think. Did y'all see a team that could win a national title this weekend? Did you see the pieces of one that maybe could work? I saw a lot of encouraging pieces. I talked about some of them here on this program, but I uh, I still am like a firm believer that Arkansas is easily one of the best teams in the country. I think this offense is severely underachieving so far, which we've seen them do before. Um, but I do think that they have the pieces in place. I think that I, I'm willing to trust this coaching staff, which has had a lot of success, which has produced a lot of very good teams, very good individual players, very good success wins and losses. Like, if there's anyone who has earned the benefit of the doubt, it's this coaching staff, which has had a just an awesome run together. I mean, we can be critical and we can say, oh, well, you know, is Nate Thompson better than Tony Martello? Is what you know? Is 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 Matt Hobbs better than Wes Johnson? I don't know, but I do know that while those two guys have been at Arkansas, this has been the golden era of Arkansas baseball. Is there any question about that? Has there been a five six year run that has been more successful than this one? No, the answer is firmly no. Um, so yeah, I'm giving those guys the benefit of the doubt. Sue me, but I will acknowledge the hitters suck this weekend, man. I was disgusted. Every parent I talked to was like, oh. I just wish we could hit, man. I just wish we could hit. Uh, but it was pretty funny. But uh, guys, I'm not I'm not panicking just yet. But uh, let's let's see some more runs here. Let's get the bomb. Let's get in a hitter friendly park. Let's get the wind blowing out a little bit. Vahiva, don't don't make me look like an idiot. Don't and 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 Dave, don't do the thing where we have to pretend he's not one of the best players on the team. We have to bench him for a month like we did with Caleb Calley. I mean, geez. 
I had people old takes exposing me over Caleb Cowley for like six weeks into the season before he finally got it going. Um, but hey, that's kind of become a trend these last few years. There's always someone who starts the year god awful and then finishes on a tear. Braden Webb, Caleb Cowley, uh, Jace Borfin started his career <laughs> in that kind of way there. So it's like it's something we've seen happen before, but I feel pretty good about the direction of this team. Uh, and even John Bolton had told me, says, hey, but he was going to be all right. And that's when I knew right then. I said, hey, you know what? I was panicking, John, but he was going to be all right. So you heard it You heard it here first from John, from me via John Bolton. Uh, don't lose faith in the island, boys. Good to see Nolan Souza get a start, by the way. Um, that's all I got for you today. Again, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to follow us over at Natty State Sport for all that we've got going on. We've got a lot of fun stuff in the works. And uh, this baseball season, boys, pack in because they uh, strap in because it's, uh, it's just getting started. There's going to be plenty of ups and downs. But uh, these next two weeks, this homestand should be pretty fun. So let's uh, get out to bomb. Go see for yourself. You know, don't trust me. Just go see for yourself. Go see if this team makes the progress and see how you feel about it. And uh, if you want to be mad at me, just comment and yell at me, and we will address it on the show. But I appreciate you guys joining me. It's been another tremendous edition of the Bombastic Bot Podcast presented by United States Sports. Thank you, and have a great day.